Okay, we are Rats. back actually. Gaining for Riffs. That's us. Gaining for Riffs. That's me, Jonathan, and on the other side, Ole. We've Ole. been, uh, I guess, struck with disease. And uh, I've been <sighs> channeling uh, my inner Harald Bluetooth for a week or so. <laughs> I don't know what's been going on. We missed a Wednesday. That's the first thing I, I guess we got to address. Uh, time has taken its toll on you. The lines have cracked your face. Face. Yeah. A bit of that action going on. So you've been sick, right? Uh, but not in, yeah. not not in Corona, not in COVID, as I gathered, right? Not in the Corona, but I I don't know. I actually I went for fun to do a test today because it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Fun so test. I was coughing this morning. I was coughing this morning after being uh, healthy for two days. I was like, ah, fuck, I do it. Uh, but then I haven't got the answer back. So maybe. Dear listener, during the podcast, <laughs> you will hear whether I am negative or positive. But right now, I'm feeling pretty positive <laughs> to be back, at least. Yeah. <laughs> the voice of sense. Corona. The voice <laughs> of Corona. Positive <laughs> to be back, that's good, yeah. Exactly. Same here. I've, I've uh, you know, from time to time, there's no problem at all with my, this is a tooth that has been like a problem child as of lately. Yeah. And also before that, and now it's back again. So sometimes I'm constantly irritated. And even when I'm texting, it's like, yes, well, what? Yes. <laughs> that's my, my way of communicating. And maybe that's not ideal if you're, yeah. if you're in for podcasting. But today it's fine. You know, uh, it's, uh, mm. it's bound to go out of my nice. skull on Thursday. But today, it's just not bothering me. Yeah. So ready to rock, ready to riff. Ready to rock, ready to rip it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it, it happens. You know, o- always at this time of year, I, I also get hit by the allergies, the pollen. Uh, and at the same time, often there is an influenza or a, a pandemic that hits me as well. Uh, February, March, I can, I always count on being ill. And so I'm pretty used to it. Uh, yeah. Now with like how we've been, uh, how we've been dealing with the show that we haven't been uh, preparing for these <laughs> misfortunes. Yeah. Maybe that's something we have to, uh, you know, pick up on. Maybe do a couple of episodes so we can just uh, throw them in, throw them in the mix. Uh, could be smart. <laughs> yeah, we'll look into that. I think uh, I, you know it's been it's been nice to not to have everything fresh, but that also means that you don't have a backup. Yeah. So it's as simple as that. It's good exactly. sometimes to have a backup and. Of course, I did my yeah. trek of ancient riffs, which, you know, that was quite yeah, enjoyable, did, actually. did wake up one day was some ancient riffs. <laughs> yeah. That was really nice. That, that was fun to do. I have to do something, and at that time, That's I didn't have any problem with my, with my tooth. It was, you know, trouble-free at that time, so I just, uh, but you were sick, so I decided to do that little riff trek somehow, malaria-inspired or something, you know, with, with the fever in yeah. mind. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. That's that, and now we're back, we're recording again, but um, also kind of spontaneously as well. Just like, ah, it's about time to make yeah, I mean, make it, some it, noise. It, you had this great title also that you came in with. It was very inspiring. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> I mean, my brain yeah. today. Uh, blessed mythical riff beasts, where and when are they? <laughs> it's kind of uh, 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 riffing on that fantastic beasts, where to find them, uh, yeah. you know, this uh, uh, Harry Potter spin-off. But I like thinking, imagining Matt Pike, you know, like this monster riffer, yeah. uh, riffster that you're searching for, you know, through dimensions and uh, through time. And then you find him and he's standing on a mountain with his <laughs> blessed black wings and uh you know just like hits you uh, wait i have to i 
have to try to make a, a blasphemic rhythm or blasphemic blasphemic riff beast. That was it. It's a tongue twister. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't start on the lowest note. Maybe then it's harder to make it fully. Let's maybe start on the F, F instead. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, the Rift Boys are back. Yeah, baby. Uh, hey, uh, while while we're uh, on the subject, let's start riffing. Uh, I thought I'll I'll start today with uh, an old classic uh, of mine. At least I I really dig it. I, I remember listening it uh, listening to it on my vinyl when I was young. I just borrowed it from uh, my neighbor, on Gotland, and I I put it on, and I think it's the first song of the. B side, or maybe the last song of the A side of this particular record that has proven very influential. Nice. But the members of the band didn't quite like it. So I'll uh, see if you can pick it out. excellent stuff really nice i was lost even before you started singing i was already lost in the song for a bit there but it sounded like oh he's gonna end now maybe he could riff on and then you kept riffing and singing on top of it so i think 
Yeah, Bad Blood. <laughs> uh, what is the band? Uh, so this is kind of rudimental riffage, like Kiss or Uriah Heep type <laughs> sound. Uh, but I also connected to something later, uh, or maybe a cover version of it, and definitely connected with something you sent, the title Bad Blood and the yeah. type of riffage. It sounds like Melvis doing Kiss or something. Yeah. I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an unknown tune, but I, I would I would have guessed that you would know it because it's one of your favorite bands and, and your favorite guitar player. Mm, okay, yeah. Uh, bad, bad, uh... Wait, wait, wait. Let, let, let me play. Let me play a bit from the solo here. Let's see if you can uh, uh, pick it out. It's very good. So, who could the guitar player be? It's like, uh, is it Michael Schenker? It's no, it's your favorite guitar player, Richard Blackmore. Yes, it's Deep Purple Fools of a Fireball, 1971. Ah, yeah, that's why it was really like uh, far away, back, in, back tucked back in my mind. I do have that album too, and uh, yeah, Richard Blackmore, right? Yeah. He's the, probably the best players so I mean, far, and he has. I mean, listen, listen, listen to this. Sorry, but. It's uh, arguably, it's even better than Smoke on the Water. It's a motherfucking super yeah. riff. Uh, it, it's so simple. It's so caveman. But I, I don't know. I love it. And I just, I didn't, I, I never sang on it before, but I just got, I just had to, you know, when you I was playing it. Then. It's just I got inspired such then. a good, such a good song. Really good song. Kind of underrated album, uh, Fireball. Uh, I think I, th- I had Deep Purple in my mind too, but then I was thinking, is it later? Is this a later? Because the riff could work in a 90s context yeah. too. And even the, tr- the, the the lyrics, Bad Blood and all that, you know. I had Melvins and Kiss and Uriah yeah. Heep in my mind. Uriah Heep <laughs> might be the closest to what it actually is, right? Yeah. yeah my- but I've been listening to In Rock lately, a lot. In Rock is the album prior, I believe. I've listened to yeah. that a lot. So I have that like straight up my mind with songs like Speed King and um, Bloodsucker is a really cool song on that album. I recommend, strong recommend. Uh, of course, Shied in Time, but everyone knows that one. But I think Fireball is perhaps a more interesting record. Uh, it's very cool. I like it. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, it's from 1971. Uh, already there, <laughs> there you, you know, like it's on our ra- radar. For sure. Uh, and it has this pretty cool... Uh, songs like uh, yeah, Fireball, No No No, Demon's Eye, which is really do 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 I don't care. It's completely blues standard, but in a good way, I think that one is. It's the blues filler, but it's a good blues filler because you have John Lord doing these things on the Hammond B3, and that no other band was doing really. I mean, it's really out there, and also on this track. Tools. He also like he, he you know like the intro is very sparse. But if you just count, uh, think about the guitar, you know like 
It's just extremely yeah. <laughs> redundant almost. But cool. But in between there, yeah, it's super cool. But in between there, John Lord is like, he's going from major to a minor, you know, swipping uh, modes. And I, it's really, uh, it's really strong. And it, 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 the whole band just makes it, uh, creates this very jammy, uh, jam type uh, feel to it. Yep. While it still has this super strong uh, lyrics, I just sang the verse there, but uh, and I know I'm gonna lose my voice <laughs> as we go on. Uh, but it also has this uh, fantastic chorus piece. Uh, I died as I lived, as I loved and was born on some distant hill. The reasons to hide were the reasons I cried. Fools pass, laughing still. Hmm. And later, lately, later, fools smile as they kill. So I mean, you can imagine there's some kind of war yeah. going on. Uh, I don't know. It's very, it's not very clear. It makes me think that uh, <laughs> Bruce Dickinson probably listened to this song before he wrote "Flash of the Blade." You died as you lived okay. in the flash of the blade. <laughs> he has, uh, but I mean, he was a huge Deep Purple fan, so it doesn't really matter sure. if he did before or years before. It's probably always a little bit of Deep Purple in everything he does. Because uh, that was really yeah. his main game. Harris was, you know, more uh, eccentric about that. And for you, the Purple, they haven't been your favorite, right? Because that was not the case for me. I discovered them in my adult life, like 30 plus. Before, of, uh, of course, I respected well, I, songs like Burn, You Gotta Respect It, and Highway Star. But now I really dug deep into to their catalog, much thanks to that podcast that I listened to, the Purple podcast, but also just... Because they're, yeah. they're easy to find on vinyl in good conditions. It's fun to kind of go through this band and also all the side projects and stuff. So it's a very interesting uh, topic to be in. But I, I didn't definitely. listen to it that much as a kid. And I think neither did you, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, no, I actually did. I listened quite a lot uh, to Deep Purple as a kid. And I, the, I had this uh, yeah. I had a CD with, uh, well, like a Deep Purple collection whatever it's uh, whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> i had that too collection that, that was uh, there's so many there's so many there's so many right. uh but uh it, the fo fools wasn't on that uh it wasn't on that uh collection and i of course i knew they were they were quite heavy but on that collection this uh, so surprisingly uh not that many super heavy riffs i, I mean you have uh smoke on the water but i mean arguably you know like it it that song doesn't really you know to me it's kind of a nice kind of funny song yeah you know a fun song it's not heavy it's not like okay it's about a, a place burning down but but they take it kind of in stride you know yeah. it's kind of a it's a cool concept but uh, it's not sad or anything well like fools which is on an album that uh none of the members really liked uh, except Ian Gillen, uh, he he actually thinks is is one of his favorite. But uh, Richie Blackmore hated it. He hated uh, the process of recording mm. it. Uh, it didn't. It was a disaster. You know, like they they had to throw it together in the studio because they had no time and they had management pressure. You know. Yes. And so that is uh, you know maybe the reason why this song doesn't appear uh, so often. They almost never play it. Yeah, uh, but I, I think uh, I, I think they maybe should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, they have a lot of nice deep cuts. I think you get kind of stuck in the main songs with this band because they have these really big ones. Aside from Smoke and Water, you have Highway Star or even Burn, which is with the, the David Coverdale lineup, uh, Glenn Hughes and David Coverdale. But it's still yeah. 
kind of uh, anthems they have along the way, but there's a lot of quirky little songs. Yeah, sure. Also when they go out of genre quite a bit, you know, there's many songs where there's no uh, organ shredder solo at all, or also some songs where there's not even really a guitar solo. So they, they leave that sometimes, but they're known for this, you know, anthemic uh, rock pop hits and then just jamming. That's what they're known for, which they are really good at both, but there's a little bit more to it, I think. There's more quirkiness, more humor, sure, and more twists and turns that you wouldn't get in a heavy metal band. Yeah, It's more leaning back towards a 60s-type rock band, you know, a little bit more uh, elegant in a sense. I don't know what to say, you know, more like showmanship in a in a different way, I guess, than staring at your feet or you know, being a Björler brother. <laughs> exactly, and I, I think this song... <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, Björners. Björners are good, actually. <laughs> but, you know, just to differentiate, I guess, the old and the new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 60, 60s rock was so cool. I, I think also, like, now I'm not sure, maybe they released uh, multiple albums in 1971. Uh, or, no, I mean, it, it, they have In Rock, 1970, Fireball, 1971, and then Machine Head, of course, 1972. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of stuck in between those uh monolith albums you know that like really i mean machine had their biggest album must have been yeah and we talk a lot about management also right you mentioned management so i just want to hook on to that before i forget because their management they were possibly you know probably ill managed at this time pushed to do record after record and didn't they didn't really give them any pause so the records just kind of happened but uh, that's what i want to run by you run by you that maybe that could have been good thing too because every record was finished you know there wasn't too much time for second guessing yourself or afterthought so every record is really like a snapshot of deep purple at that particular time uh, because they didn't have time to wait you know I, I think you're right i think i think that's uh that's uh really essential also for uh, most bands yeah. in the 60s 70s you know they had to release something uh and you know like we talked for a long time ago about november yes uh you know who uh who were like 18 17 at swedish band and they got thrown into the studio to record and then out on the road you know like uh, they had to give up school because like that's how they thought it would uh, was and that's how it was you know they were forced yeah. by management and there's this uh unreasonable expectations yeah and i can understand you know why uh you know richard blackmore maybe at some point felt he was stuck in this machine and we talked about peter gabriel being stuck in the machine as well you yeah. have to get out do something else yeah i mean richard blackmore is also quite a character so i think for him it's really easy to feel stuck in a machine you know he's the kind of guy he could go to uh i don't know to see your relatives and he feels stuck in that machine uh, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. You know this type of character, right? Yeah, yeah. That is always sure. like he wants something bigger. Usually they're an asshole, but man, you're not the boss. You're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> yeah, dad. Exactly. But also sometimes if you if you happen to be a genius and perhaps the best electric guitar player to have lived, then it's kind of cool because then his impossible attitude makes it funny. Uh, in a way, you know, he has a gloomy yeah. image that I think he overplays. He's he's alluded to overplaying this image in some interviews that he likes to be this difficult character, which you know I don't mind. I wouldn't want him to be nice and you know down to earth, down with the kids. I like that he's you know impossible. I don't know what do you think about this type of character, the Richie Blackmore type. Uh, I mean, I mean, he has this. Uh 
I can imagine he's a bit of a trickster. But you can imagine the character, right? You know, just a douche, but very talented. And also very, well, like... He, well, he's a douche... Kind of an idol for me, anyway, even though he's a douche. You know, it's hard yeah, to explain. Yeah, but... Well, well I'm, 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 I'm uh, reminded by another, like, very... Uh, <laughs> a, more, a bit more, like, trickstery uh, uh, riff off of uh, uh, Machine Head. This one... <laughs> I'm a Leo. Uh, also, like a, that's a, riff. a cool. I love that title. <laughs> Maybe I'm a Leo. <laughs> yeah, but it's a riff that really stucks in your brain. Yeah. Uh, really annoying uh, <laughs> preschool riffage, but I really like. I it. I want to try a riff too <laughs> that I never tried before. I hope I can nail it. I'll do it. And then it kind of modulates, right? Like, uh, it's super simple. It is a blues filler, but it's this kind of, when you take the blues filler, but you yeah. take it seriously, you know? Because a blues filler is always, it's very common in these times, in rock bands. You just throw in a 12 bar type thing. But if you do it, but you respect it. Yeah, ex exactly. Then you end up with demonize. You know, they still respect what they're doing. They're not just doing it. Yeah, but I think you're right, and uh, but I, I think, I think it's so. Uh, I mean, we could we could go on and on, but I think it, there's some there's some like crazy creativity also when they hit their when they they have some time in the studio. I think I think for uh, instance in Fools, the the solo that is a really slow part uh, that I played a bit from with uh, he's really like uh, violating the volume knob to get this. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, effect and i have uh, i just wanted to try a little bit with uh, uh <laughs> let's see how this sounds Some Ebo action there, <laughs> and he plays it very slowly. He plays it way, way slower, but I just really think it's, it's such a beautiful, uh, also unexpected uh, type of guitar solo yeah. from him. Uh, maybe maybe you know he has more parts like this, but it's just a very inventive, uh, very strange song that sometimes it just kind of uh, winds down to just the drums, like everything is gone. You know, like a do do da do 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 da, and yeah. then you know. That just comes in again. It's so so dynamic, uh, but it's also you know really really yeah really good song. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. It is. Um, I think yeah. he's got a lot of uh, a mix of inspiration, so he's not all about one thing. Uh, this uh, was enormously influential. Uh, this album. Ingrid Malmsteen uh, got the fireball from his older sister when he was eight years old, and it changed everything for him. And you know, like he was the biggest Richie Blackmore fan. Uh, played the 
uh, Defender Stratocaster because Richie did. Uh, I think at some point they had kind of a run-in, right? I don't know if you know this story. In between Richie Blackmore and Ian Gillan or in between who? No, but Yngwie Malmsteen. Yngwie Malmsteen, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he had this running with... I mean, he was... Uh, Rich Blackmore was his idol, you know, and he yeah, did yeah. everything, you know, to kind of impress him, but they never worked, right? Uh, I think they didn't turn out... They didn't become best friends or anything. No, no. Uh, but then, but then Lars Ulrich uh, bought this album also uh, after going to see a Deep Purple concert in uh, 1973. Yep. In Copenhagen, and that really started him on rock music. Sure, you know, hard rock music. Big so, part. So that's really, you know, like these two. I mean, okay, okay, we can say that maybe Lars Ulrich is the <laughs> more important for once, uh, but it's just uh, huge influence. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, and I, th- I think uh, Deep Purple is one of these extremely influential bands. Yeah, and you talked about that slow melody uh, type thing that with the abusing the volume. Um, Volume knob and uh, that one, yeah. you know, the the melody reminds me of some old uh, German type stuff and even the Princess of the Dawn lead, but that's a dumbed down version, I would say, of it with way less dynamic and a bit less interesting melody. But it has this European root, and then quite often Richie would go into this uh, Byzantine stuff, you know, like. And also with the yeah, and they used to jo- joke in the band that he had the he could get Romanian shortwave radio into his hat. <laughs> you know, that's where he got his riffs. <laughs> He's pretty much this eclectic uh, super guitarist that he he played for a long time. He, I think he had been on thirty records prior to the Purple or something like that. He was a studio guitarist, go to guy. Wow, for okay for guitar. So he was already like accomplished when the band started, which makes them very different to Black Sabbath, even though they've had these constant connections to Black Sabbath throughout the years, all the way, you know, with Ian Gillen being in the band, Glenn Hughes being in both bands, uh, and several other things uh, that just kind of yeah. intertwined. But the purpose started as pros. It's a big difference, right? Yeah, but all the offshoots, also all the spin-offs like uh, Captain Beyond mm. with, uh, I mean... You know, like the, the stuff that just comes from their camp and ends up in our ears. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, we could, we could, I, I was gonna uh, suggest that we maybe we return to Deep Purple uh, later, maybe uh, even like a Machine Head special or something like this. Uh, could be cool. Uh, I don't know. You know, whatever we come up with. Yeah. Because uh, there's, uh, there's a lot to say, but I, I feel like, uh, uh, I, I shouldn't uh, abuse my voice too much today. Sure. Uh, so maybe I just uh, uh, play uh, something from this uh, uh, from this song, and then yeah. uh, that's it sure. for my session.
Alright. Yeah, I wanted to uh, to bring that song in for a long time. I just uh I don't know. It it it's it just uh stuff came in the way, but I now I, f- I feel very happy to have uh, done it. I thought it was funny that you didn't uh, didn't recognize it, but I then I also realized, you know, they have so many songs, uh so many albums and like this is, of course, this is one of the outliers. Yeah. Uh, I would say. But also that uh, you know, when even, you know, the the deep cuts are this great, then the band must be pretty damn great. Yeah, that's the thing. And what I was going to say when I was interrupting you there was that uh, it would be nice to hear um, a, a full version of this song by you with this kind of, Ooh. with your um, take on the vocals, uh, especially because it's going to be way different sounding. That may be what threw me off in a sense, but it didn't really throw me throw me off. Because actually I was really into the sounds uh, when you were playing. Uh, so I didn't think about Deep Purple or anything like that. I was just kind of uh, relaxing in the sounds. So I, I think that's a sign yeah. of a good, oh, good nice. uh, um, I guess, a good interpretation of a song. So maybe at some point, maybe when you're feeling a little bit better, and you've got more voice, you should record a, <laughs> a full version, a full cover of yeah, it. Nice. With, with kind of your... Your That's take good. on the structure of the song and everything and arrangement. It would be fun to hear. I mean, I mean the intro is pretty funny with this. Uh, this. I'm crying. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> the best lyrics ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying. I'm, I'm, I'm dying. dying. <laughs> it's right. the best, the, the best rhyme in all of rock. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Thank you. Uh, I will definitely yeah. record this. Ian Gillen was rumored to be not rumored. He was openly very cav- chevalier. Is that a word? Cavalier when you know when you're careless, when you're just you know winging everything. There's a word for it, right? Well, careless, I would say. Yeah, careless, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Chevalier, Chevalier, something like, like that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that saves... Not knightly. It's another word like uh, gallivant, <laughs> gallivanting, gallivanting about or something. <laughs> oh, you know, okay, okay. Yeah, nonchalance. Yeah. Nonchalance. I don't know. But he That's was famous for that, you know, coming in with lyrics last second, written on a napkin that he just took out in the bar I when am. he was eating lunch, probably at lunch with beer, and then just writing it down the day, <laughs> day of the recording. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's where you get things like he starts he, Speed King that starts in rock. He starts with "Oh golly, Miss Molly." That's how it starts. I used that. No. I used. <laughs> he doesn't care. Well, it's it's certainly it's certainly better than uh, standing on stage with no lyrics that uh, like I used to do. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. So you were even more <laughs> even more gallivanting than Ian Gillen. You took it one step further. <laughs> I took you a step back. Yeah, it wasn't uh, enough to just go. write them on a napkin while drinking. <laughs> it had to also be improvised on stage. Yeah, I guess so. All right, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna present this next artist a little bit differently, I guess, than usual. <laughs> right, right, a little bit differently than usual. I plugged in my uh, my turntable. Uh, I'm not gonna. Uh, you asked if Ooh. I was gonna do a scratching game like uh, I don't know, Limp Bizkit or Limp Bizkit. I was Similar, hoping. but uh, yeah, <laughs> I was that would be kind of cool. But nice. no, I just I just like the way these riffs sound on on the actual vinyl. So I thought, yeah, I'll I'll play All it. Right. But I'll play it live with a needle and everything. It's kind of fun, right? Yeah. 
obviously I don't have to tell you what it is because you showed this to me. <laughs> Amazing it's, riff. It's, uh, it's, it's a crazy riff. And now we got it live uh, too. Look, uh, that's what happens when you do things differently. Then I didn't even have to learn the riff. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I never played this riff. It's such a good... You never. I mean, no, it's, I it's great. I, it, it's, uh, I will now, but you know, I didn't have the time really... because we decided this very spontaneously and I thought on the top of my list yeah. it just said Nugent or the Nuge maybe. <laughs> Uh, the nude yeah so I, and then I, I thought maybe I okay. could make a relaxed episode playing the, the vinyl bit because it really represents the riff and you get all those nice tom hits the, yeah. the pauses yeah. and it, it's, wow it's so good uh, I think it's really good I think it, yeah I remember the first time I ever heard this song um, uh, were you there maybe were we, did we experience oh. this together? Uh, you uh, it was at Södertjatan in Stockholm. Uh, no, no, we didn't. But you played it to me on vinyl, we, actually. We, Not this particular piece of yeah. vinyl, but on another well, piece I, of vinyl you played it. Was, it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was the same night that Backdraft had a, a, a big gig there. Maybe mm. you came later, but uh, Nicky Andersson of uh, Helicopters, he was en entombed. Yeah. He was uh, DJing. Yeah, I, I was, was playing there. all these kinds of '60s, yeah. '70s rock. Yeah, no, uh, I was there. I remember now. Yeah, I was there. Stuff. I was, <laughs> I was there. Yeah, but the, uh, but then it's like all of a sudden. <laughs> this super riff comes on. Yeah, <laughs> like this super. I never heard anything of this. It's like uh, it's uh, and just it's like it's this just classic. Opener, it's a lot, uh, yeah. But I mean, you you think like okay, like most songs they start with the main riff, right? But it's not true, and I I don't think that that many songs just start with the guitar, uh, just by itself, and with that swagger and with that uh, rhythm, uh, with those chops that it takes to play this kind of riff, uh, even though it sounds easy, but it's played really well, and uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> the song comes up. With the lyrics, <laughs> snake skin cowboys. Yeah, who, who the hell you think you are? Running around yeah. in your high-heeled boots? Don't think that you'll get too far. Uh, just hanging around with your fancy pants on? Ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, who are these? Who are these guys, Ole? Who are these snake skin cowboys? Stick around, boys. Maybe I can set you free. Uh, who so are they? Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's see who are who, who were, who were those, those cowboys? <laughs> who were those high heeled boys? Who were they? Okay, like is he referring to glam rockers or what is it? Yeah, so I've yeah it could be, but I think it's more like uh, regional, like local, more local than like <laughs> uh, Tadugent going off on a rant. I mean, of course, he can go off on uh, off on a rant about glam rock uh, but it, it's not about that i think it's about uh, just some local band that decided to go up in like snakeskin 
cowboy okay. boots. Interesting. Uh, and just like be try, thinking they could play, thinking they could play. <laughs> like I just had had this inkling that he's sitting on his fa- f- favorite bar. You yeah, know, yeah. he's like. <laughs> Fresh, fresh off of uh, cat scratch fever, you know. Everyone yep. uh, thinks he's cool. Uh, no one knows about his political views or like what he likes to kill and grill, yep. uh, which we will learn about later, of course. But but then he's like, he's a cool, cool cat. Yeah. Here comes the snakeskin cowboys in, like this band they're gonna play, and like they can't play for shit, or maybe in his mind. So I think it's really like <laughs> a local. <laughs> they just, can't uh, play for shit. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's like, you're not gonna get too it's far just, guys it's just like kind <laughs> I'm of like just telling it to you I'm just giving it to you straight <laughs> you're not gonna get too far in this yeah. business no but he's a, like a petty and I think he's a pretty hell? petty I- individual who the hell I do mean, you think you are she's a pre- <laughs> yeah I mean, you know like he, he doesn't have to go on off a, ra- uh, off a rant on these guys no. he doesn't have to write like this hate song but, <laughs> but he is who he is <laughs> so it's it's not like a huge uh, it's, it's, yeah. not a, <laughs> it's not that uh, you know like it's a huge surprise no yeah, but uh, anyway he managed to write a really good song yeah it's a crazy good song here we have this this is his first record simply titled Ted Nugent I'm holding it here and this is the B-side starts with this one yeah and then it heads into Motor City Madhouse which is this manic Rocker of a song, Motor City Madhouse, Motor City Madhouse. It almost drives you mad, but in a good way. And then we have Where Have You Been All My Life, which I think is good, but I always remember the song after more. Uh, you Make Me Feel Right at Home, which I think is a great song, Ooh, as well yes. as the ending Queen of the Forest. Uh, yeah. So the side is nearly perfect, but uh, I want to play a bit of um, You Make Me Feel Right at Home from the vinyl because it's, it's a nice track. Back to life, I can barely feel the pain. You make me feel right at home. You make me feel right at home. You make me feel right at home. Another night, another town. I'm on that road again. Something you do brings me back to life. It's so good to have a friend. You make me feel right at home. You make me feel right at home. You make me feel right at home. Because of that, I'll never leave you alone. You make me feel right at home. You make me feel right at home. You make me feel right at home. Because of that, I'll never leave you alone. You make me feel right at home. You make me feel right at home. You make me feel right at home. Because of that. It's a great record. I, I, I really dig this song. Yeah. Well, I rem- I'm, I'm reminded also by this super riff of the same uh, album, Just What the Doctor Ordered. So good. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Just what the doctor ordered. 
yeah. yeah. Nice. It's awesome. Just a bastardized blue. It's a bastardized blues, uh, but really like you know, showing this um, uh, hammer-on shops and stuff that he was really good at, I think. And it, what, how would you describe this music? You know, like what kind of genre is this? I think it's a lot of celebration of the guitar, actually, in this music. You know, he's just, he loves <laughs> yeah. the guitar, this guy, the Nugent. You know, just there's no way to tell any, anything contrary to that statement in anything he does. He loves the guitar. He's like, so for me, it's a lot of guitar music. It celebrates guitar music, but also he happens to be this excellent singer for some reason. And also this very horny man. Yeah. Uh, and I've also <laughs> gathered that he's been sober all this time, which kind of slapped me in the face. I couldn't all his see life. that. Be yeah, wow. that apparently he's never been a drinker or drugger <laughs> at all. That boggled my mind when I got that fact. Now, I, I, I couldn't check this fact, but it appears that he didn't drink or, or <laughs> do drugs at all. So he's basically driven from okay. the love of, of women and guitar. <laughs> that's that's what he's doing. Good for and, him. Uh, it works, you know. It works. Then you know it's, it's been debated with his political views and everything. And now it came out like this is the unlikely friendship for friendship of Tom Morello and Ted Nugent. Everyone should learn. And I, I, I agree with that statement, but really? I never really saw I never really saw a problem with Ted Nugent personally. You know, <laughs> he's a bit of a he has this kind of redneck characteristic, but he's also from Detroit, so he's not a southerner. You know, he's just yeah. A, He's just a character, you know, and I've never, really, has, never man, really bothered me, has, but... Borussi the Man. Yeah. What do you think? Borussi the Ted Man. Ted Nugent the Man. Oh, <laughs> the Man, I Ted think, Nugent. What do you think? I think, I think he, 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 he stretches, uh, like, the how do you say it? He stretches that, um, uh, the distance between, uh, uh, or the line, uh, the thin line between someone's opinions and someone's art. Which yeah. should always be kept apart. I mean, it's it's silly not to, but he really he's really like pushing it, <laughs> which is uh, yeah. what, what makes this interesting. And uh, sorry, I have to play this also. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it's yeah, nice, his actually. version of this classic, the classic riff. <laughs> it's very economical for me because I, I could bring this artist in, and I didn't even have to study any riffs. You already knew them, you know. And like I said, so it's perfect. You know, I I love I love his riffs, and uh, excellent I, I think guitarist. He does great music. Yeah, and I, I think that like for a while he was also kind of this funny dude uh, who maybe you know oppressed uh, or like or made vegans really angry like yeah. by design with his uh, kill it and grill it sure, book sure. <laughs> that he gave out together with his uh, wife Tammy or whatever her name is <laughs> you know like this yeah uh, Tammy sounds about know, right yeah. like just a I mean, he, he may be from he, he may be from Detroit, but I'm pretty sure he li sure he lives in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, and I think he should. But I, yeah, I really I really like the guy. You know, I mean, of course, I'm I'm not a carbon copy of him in terms of political views or whatnot. But I, I can't say I don't like him. You know, most things about him I do like. Uh, he, he did. He had young girlfriends. We've been on that topic before in this show. 
how, how this has been a thing. Jimmy Page, etc., Elvis, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, and probably many, many more. Uh, but I think it's just he's this rocker guy. He loves uh, pussy and guitar, and he doesn't even drink or do drugs. And you know, he's trying to kind of be a. He also loves guns, though, which you know is another thing entirely. But for for some reason, the entirety of his personality works for me, and I, I'm not bothered by him. And yeah. then comes these great riffs and great songs. You know, it's, I'm a fan, of course. Yeah, know. what I, can I, I say? <laughs> I, I, it's it, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, another guy who was a big fan of him was uh, or is, I guess, James Hetfield. He he yeah. loves Ted Nugent, and he would like. Uh, <laughs> would cry out you know well they got uh, into the hall of fame uh you know this uh whatever is this hard rock cafe it's hall of fame or who who gives this out actually i always felt too is is it hard rock cafe (laughs) (laughs) rock and roll hall of fame is not you know i like i I like that you think the same as me that is this hard rock cafe (laughs) it kind of is right Yeah, they're the only one who cares. Uh, but he was like, he was—he stood on stage with like, well, you invited us, but you have to invite the nudge. The nudge! <laughs> and like, Kirk Hammett, Kirk Hammett standing there, like, smiling. Later, they would they would uh, perform together on the, uh, the Millennium New Year's Eve. Mm. Uh, doing a couple of so- his songs, I think. Uh, like a very long night, I guess. But uh, I think af- afterwards, uh, Kirk Hammett was like commenting, and this neither like he didn't really put like an emphasis on what he meant. But he was like, "I never thought I would share a stage with Ted Nugent." <laughs> That's an <laughs> end of statement. All right. But I think he has uh, like he didn't like him as much as James Hetfield did. <laughs> can imagine being like in this room with this guy who's like the Nugent. <laughs> You know, the nooch was you like nooch. Yeah, but I mean, fact still is, it's just such oh, a good guitarist, the new Gentina. Sure. Uh, I have, uh, for example, one Facebook friend of mine. You always posts uh, with this uh, more of a, I guess, leftist type uh, opinions, um, not severely so. But the point is not that. But the point is that he posted a link to uh, Ted Nugent one day, and he just commented like, "Awesome guitarist." So that's you know. Kind of goes to show that you don't have to agree with the nuge, but you kind of have to admit that he's amazing at guitar. If you don't admit that, I lose yeah. a little bit respect for you as a guitar player. <laughs> it's true. I was to that. It's very good. Like that cat scratch fever. Awesome. Never played it, but uh, also, also. Really no, it, it sounds like that. Uh, it's so know? stupid. It's, the it's, riffs it's, are not terribly complicated, it's so right? It's more about bringing forth a type of attitude and energy, base the song around that energy or attitude, and then perhaps solo yeah, and go wild. You know, exactly. it's more of a traditional type of of rock structure than, let's say, a heavy metal structure where you get some drama in there. This is more about presenting a cool vibe and staying in it, and then soloing over it. Exactly.
Insane. Yeah. Insane song. I'm thinking now because... With questionable we, we, lyrics, but who cares? <laughs> as usual. I don't know what he meant. I, don't have. <laughs> I, like, I like your theory that it is dissing only four guys. It's not about dissing an entire subculture that I thought it was. It's dissing four guys. Yes, you snakes and cowboys, you're not going to get very far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It's also I'm pretty sure it's something, it, something spiteful like that. Yeah. Completely unnecessary. But it, it's kind of what drives him. And I, th- I think that lately, I mean, this is kind of his, uh, you know, his pro-Trump and all this uh, kind of stuff. And Anti-vax. I think, it, I think it's a... I think, yeah, you know, like, it, but it's important to uh, to be able to see the art and the music and then the man, you know, like uh, yeah. as uh, two different things, three different things. Maybe. And I mean, you know, you. I mean, we all have, uh, you know, we all have our sides. And you know what? I kind of, I want him to be. I want to allow him to not be vaccinated. I don't want him to be forced vaccinated. I think he stays out <laughs> in his ranch and everything. I don't think he's going to be part of the problem if he doesn't get vaccinated. So I'm kind of I'm pro vaccination, well, but I'm also I'm also pro uh, I'm also pro Ted Nugent not getting it. I'm okay with that too. It it, it fits my world at yeah. least somehow that he's not he's not going to get the government is not going to push a needle into his heart. I mean, I, I'm uh, fine with that. <laughs> no, I, I would I would be surprised if it's not the last person they will uh, go and ask. You know, like uh, hey Ted Nugent. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, imagine yeah. him being like in his stronghold <laughs> out in the swamps, huge castle, with, like gators all around in chains, and his <laughs> his grilling, his grilling, <laughs> something he killed of questionable origin, <laughs> something he killed a grill. It's I really wanted that. I really wanted that uh, cookbook. Uh, I should still get it. Actually, I think yeah. it's uh, probably pretty good. <laughs> it's is it as fast as. Is Netherlands is it as fuzzy with the uh, uh, eating vegan kind of thing that is here in Stockholm? Is it as much Portlandia over over there? Uh, no, I think it's pretty mixed. You know, like uh, there's more uh, meat, there's right? way more. It's more meat alternative than in Stockholm. There, yeah, yeah, but the meat is. I, I would say the meat's pretty bad. Oh, it, it's, the quality is not as good as in Sweden. The prices are higher. Uh-huh. The, the 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 like the pieces are smaller, uh, and I realized this quite early and. I kind of, for a while, kind of tended to definitely eat more vegetables, yeah. which you should do, yeah. dear listener. Yeah, you should. Yeah. You don't have to be vegan to eat uh, to eat a balanced uh, <laughs> meal. <laughs> I love I love vegetarian food. But, I love vegan food, but I don't like the substitutes. Though I'm not into something ma- named corn or burn or glern or something like that, and I don't want it. Then, yeah, then it's just a goo man, like, you know, a goo man that came with a bunch of goo, and he. But he you product, could uh, you could try. You you could try to eat uh, you know like this uh, corn burger at the s- but you can't do it at the same time you're playing this riff. I mean that it, it okay. suggests something completely different. Yeah. Uh, Still, uh, I feel very good about bringing a riff <laughs> that I didn't have to learn. Uh, I could just uh, pass it over, play it on the vinyl, and then you can yeah, perform I mean, it on the guitar. That's pretty cool. So I'm I'm also gonna have to ask you how it how is it actually played? How do you finger this? Riff? Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, boys and girls, uh, back to classic gained for riff territory with some description. But you start on the seventh fret on the low E string, and then you uh, it's a kind of a classic. Yeah. 
and then you go uh, to the fifth fret of the A string. Oh, sorry. And then back. And then you go to the fifth fret and the fourth fret of the D string. And then again. And to the fifth fret of the low E string. Mm -hmm. And then just a uh, five, four, five. And then uh, our chord from the seventh. There we go. Yes! Nice! Oh, it's a cool riff. Ooh. How do you think you are? It's a party, party, uh, party song. Party starter. Uh, <laughs> It's a party it is, right? definitely, no, definitely, definitely. Nice. I mean, I, I love uh, love is a nuge, just like James Hetfield. Yeah. Love is a nuge. I think it's a very Saturday song for me. Or actually, Saturday side of a vinyl. The B side of Ted Nugent's yeah. debut album is awesome on Saturdays. Every time, it really is. <laughs> All right, I'm feeling pretty good. It's nice to be back. Yeah, but you know, as simple as that. It's, it's been a good, it's been a good session. Uh, so. That's it, yeah. actually. That's all. That's all Definitely. there is to it. We don't have, we don't do any prompting anymore at the end of episodes. We don't have oh. anything well, for your listeners that you. We don't have any chores or homework for you. Uh, not at the moment, right? <laughs> well, I, I think I think for you for you guys who haven't tried it, I mean, we we I think we gave two good tips today uh, for some uh, riffage that maybe you haven't heard before. Uh, fools off of Deep Purple and then uh, Snakeskin Snakeskin Cowboy sorry about my nose <laughs> it's getting okay. stuck again <laughs> I have to stop but I mean these are two two uh, must hears but you haven't probably haven't heard them before so I uh, hope you enjoyed it uh, yes. hope to uh, see you next week uh, we'll see if we keep on uh, kind of releasing a bit spotchy or if we actually manage to get back on Wednesday, the original idea was on Wednesdays. Nothing happened. Nothing fun yeah. ever happening, especially during the pandemic. So, yeah, that's why we put the uh, podcast there. I don't know about next Wednesday if we're on or anything, but we've been off long enough. That's what I figured. Yeah, so this one is going straight up. And thanks for listening. Probably, maybe I don't know on this very day or tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Thanks for listening anyway, and uh, see you next time.
right. Kenneth Riffs, out. <laughs> It's for riffs.